Welcome back to the Gospel for Life. This is Russ Herman from Cloverdale Re- Reform Church. We have in the studio Jonathan Van Hoogen from Spring Reform, Alan Burrow from King's Congregation, and Vinnie Henke from Valley Life Community Church. Gentlemen, it's good to be with you today and talk about truths from God's Word. Good morning, guys. Yep. Love to do it. We have been working our way through some questions from R.C. Sproul's books, Reason to Believe, and now that's a good question. It's interesting, if you've been listening to this series, I'm not sure how many shows that we've done on this, maybe 20, 25, I can't remember. But anyway, we have been um, simply using the books for their questions, and um, as far as I know, most of the guys in the room don't actually own the book. So then we've been basically using the questions but not – accessing the answers that are in the book. So that might be a a mistake on our part. You might be better served to actually go buy the book and read the make quote unquote correct answers. Yeah, I can Um, assure people of that. Yeah. Yeah. You'll be better off reading Sproul than listening to me for sure. Every time. (laughs) But um, today we want to deal with some things, some questions that um, unfortunately have um, too much relevance uh, to the world that we're living in right now, the culture that we're living in right now. And it really does, deals with the question of evil in the world, suffering in the world. So the first one is the classic, if there is a God, why is there so much evil in the world? And maybe it would be helpful if one of you wants to give kind of the, the classic response about the reason why there's evil is because one of two things has to be true about God. Maybe you should give that, Russ. You... Oh, well, the classic response is that either God lacks power, right. that he's unable to stem the tide of evil, or God is not good, that he has no desire to stop the evil in the world. Um, now, naturally, I don't believe that's the reason why there's evil in the world, but why is there evil in the world? Knowing that God is all-powerful and that God is all good. You know, this is something I've actually thought about quite a bit um, over the last year or so, and what really got me thinking about it again um, is I was reading Ephesians chapter 3 where Paul is talking about he's praying for all the Christians and he's praying according to what is God's purpose for making us and redeeming us. And he, he ends up praying that we would be filled up with all the fullness of God. Now he's not talking about like we become God, but we come to fully reflect his his character, to be his sons and daughters by the power of Christ and the Spirit. Of course, that we're never there in this life, but uh, at the great resurrection. Um, and the thing is, so he said, th- this is the purpose, that we be filled up with all the fullness of God. But before that, he says, based in so many words, that for that to happen, we have to know the unknowable, the to take in the incomprehensible, which is to fully know the love of God, the height, the depth, the breadth, and the length. And then he says to know the love of Christ. It seems to me that what he's saying there is while we see the love of God 
everywhere in creation. You know, in the beginning, creates man in his own image, uh, calls him to rule the the earth in 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 God's name. All the blessings, all the beauty, all the the, the goodness that's there. Lo- God's love is everywhere. But what he seems to be saying is that yes, that that's God's love, but. You can only see the fullness of God's love at the cross of Christ. That's the only place the full depth and breadth of God's love is seen. If he's going to bring us to fully know that, if, if he's going to bring us to, in a participatory way, to kind of walk in his own footsteps, to know the part of God's character that because of his love, he hates everything that kills, everything that perverts, everything that twists, and he, and he takes the evil one, he takes death, he takes all that twists and perverts, and what he does is he buries it in the grave. And, and we're going to know that, that part mm-hmm. of God's character. I don't know, it just seems to me that the gospel is not plan B. It seems to me that the gospel has always been in view from the very beginning, which is why, for example, Paul will take marriage, Ephesians 5.1, you know, and he'll say the marriage there, that our marriage is, is, was made as a reflection of Christ in the church, and then he quotes Genesis, you know, man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, the two shall become one flesh. Uh, this is a great mystery, but I speak of Christ in the church. He's talking about a quote that was made before the fall. Mm-hmm. And he says, before the fall, this is talking about the ultimate reality of Christ in the church. So much so that our that marriage, which he joined Adam and Eve before the fall, was meant to reflect. Now, I'm just given my meditations here. I'm not, I can't quote any great authority. It just seems to me um, that way, and so that that even even this is for the purpose of the gospel, and that we come to be filled up with all the fullness of God. Anything about the cross in your med- meditation, Alan? I th- there's a paradox there in that we see God use what I think we would all admit to is one of the greatest uh, evils in the world, and that's when the innocent suffer, right? Why, why, do the, why do we cry out against the headlines, or why do we cry out when innocent people suffer? Because there's something inside of us that cries out for justice. Well, there's only been one innocent individual to live ever, and he suffered the greatest injustice mm-hmm. ever in Christ. And yet God has purpose in the context of that suffering, that greatest suffering that has ever been suffered, the suffering servant of Isaiah 53, Jesus Christ, in order to demonstrate the greatness of his character and love for us. And that, that's the great paradox we wrestle with in the Christian faith with regard to evil, is that every worldview has to answer to the existence and purpose of evil. But Christianity can say that it, evil and, and suffering exist in this world ultimately to reveal the greater love and greater glory of God the Father. Right, and whatever you want to say about evil, you have to say that in the cross, Christ is dealing with it. Yes. Yeah. You know, that, yeah, the, the, the worst, in one sense, the most unfair, un, unjust, it was a judicial framing yep. of, a, of the only purely, truly, 100% innocent person, sinless person who's ever lived. In one sense, it's like the worst part that God has ever written in his play and out of all those uh, parts, God says, that one is for me. That one is for my son. 
and his son goes to the cross, and it becomes the best part ever yeah. written there in is, the resurrection. Yeah. There is a difficulty, and and you know the this is called a theodicy. You know the problem of of evil. You know, you, um, you know someone said you can't unscrew the un- inscrutable. Uh, there is a there is an inscrutable part of this. Uh, we understand what Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty nine says that the secret things belong to God, but what has been revealed belong to us and our children forever. There is we we only can understand this by knowing that God's doing whatever God does, He does for His glory and our good, and whatever His ultimate reasons for evil in this world. Uh, far from being unconcerned about it, as you guys have been talking about, uh, God came down at, at the costliest expense imaginable as the only innocent person that ever lived um, was put to death on the cross. And so, uh, we can we can trust in Him. You know, He He whatever's happened, He took His own medicine. He's yeah. He's, he's mm-hmm. taken it him on Him Himself, and so. And we can say with Paul, I consider that the sufferings of this present age is not worthy to be compared to the glory that's going to be revealed in us because um, God, who knew no evil, um, came down and became evil on our behalf in a way, um, you know, in Christ, and he personally and painfully resolves this problem of evil for all eternity. And if you begin to think about this, you, you have God from eternity um, entirely sufficient in himself, not lacking anything. And he creates a world that is free from sin, free from evil, um, perfectly good, but creating a world in which he's going to place within it um, human beings with a free will and creating them with a free will that he knows is going to turn against him. And he knows that the only remedy for that sin Will be the the giving of his son. Uh, the the most known verse of the Bible is, "For God so loved the world, for God so loved fallen humanity, that he gave." Well, the gave there is gave to, as Alan was saying, the cross. He gave for atonement. Um, the gave there is what Paul would say in Romans eight thirty two that he spared not his son. And so you have this situation where you have God creating a world in which he knows is going to rebel against him with the knowledge that in order to redeem that, in order to to conquer evil, it will cost him his son. And he still goes forward with that act of creation. He goes forward knowing um, at what cost. And so the idea of if there's a God, why is there so much evil? Um, yeah, I think you have to step back and say, it's amazing that a God knowing of so much evil, when he's sufficient in himself, still will go forward with this plan, knowing all that's involved with it. Because he's a God of power, he can accomplish the redemption, and he's a God of love because he's willing to do it. Because in the conquering of that evil in the cross of Christ, God has shown who he is. That's right. Not just what he decided to do one day, but who he is. Mm -hmm. At the cross, he actually shows the power and the love that make people question 
how God can be if there's evil in the world? The answer is actually in the power and love of the cross. Absolutely. And I think at, at some point we have to realize that evil's not the last word. And sometimes I think on this side of eternity, we live as if evil is the final word in the story. It's not. Um, the book of Revelation is very clear that evil will be done away with, that sin and the effects of sin will be no more. Death is swallowed up in, in victory. Life. Yeah, victory. And I, I think we, we need to come back to that, not to minimize the evil of this world, that we live in an evil, broken world. Um, so never at the, the, at the, the cost of minimizing evil. Um, but there is a point where, as Jonathan said earlier, we come up against what we can't explain everything. We don't know why God doesn't act um, in certain situations. We don't. We don't know why. But it's not because he's not able, and it's not because he doesn't care. We can give short answers uh, to a present evil. You know, uh, we, can, we can give a short answer to the fact that, you know, of how somebody was raised and the environment that they were they were raised in, the fact that um, you know this rejection of Christianity, the different things that are happening that we see, they're short answers. the The real problem that that whole theodicy of why evil has been allowed in the first place might escape us. But there, are, but the the true answer is. We are we are a people that have turned away from God, and then we begin to do whatever's right in our own eyes. We we become the authority for ourselves, and so you know the the person that's gone out and shot up people, he's going to do what is right in his own eyes. He's going to do this is something that he's determined to do. Um, ultimately, um, you know, as you've said, it is answered in the cross. Well, you've been listening to the Gospel for Life. We will see you tomorrow.